Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. We got 8 December today, Sunday, time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And we got a blessing this week. Um, the Lord provided something that we weren't even expecting. Our podcast presence has just doubled. We used to have iTunes, right? Everybody know that. We now add Google Play Music. They just started doing it for us. They just started adding them in. And so Mike, the web guy, went in and plugged all of them into Google, and they took all of them. They accepted them. So if you do not have iTunes and you want to find our podcasts, you can go to Google Play Music and subscribe to the podcasts, and you can listen to them all day long and all night long. And, you know, uh, I think we have about 1,300 videos or maybe 1,200, something like that, and figure an hour each. That'll take you a while to get through, but uh, the good Lord willing, we are considering setting up an app as well. I don't know what that means, but that's what he told me to say, so uh, we'll get that done hopefully soon. But uh, here we go. It'll work on your phone. It won't work on my phone, that's for sure. Um, our first category, as always, is Israel. And from Ynet, Bolivia renews diplomatic relations with Israel. Kick out a commie socialist, and what do you get? You get somebody willing to work with Israel. The foreign ministry held intensive talks recently with Bolivia in an effort to reestablish the ties between the two countries, which were officially severed on January 14, 2009 following Operation Cast Lead, which was Israel's 2008 military campaign against the Palestinian terror factions in the Gaza Strip. The rekindled relations were made possible after Bolivian President Evo Morales, who was hostile towards Israel, stepped down from office and his admin was replaced by a pro-American interim government. Uh, Foreign Minister Israel Katz welcomed the revival of the relations between the Jewish state and the South American country. So good stuff for Israel there. From Haaretz, Israel begins work on what will become the largest settlement in East Jerusalem. And yes, the Muslims are going crazy about this. The Palestinians are going nuts about it. And I will say that this is bad news for the Jews as well. If you read Zechariah, where it says that uh, half of the city is going to go into captivity and the women are going to be ravished and et cetera, et cetera. This is what's setting that up right there. Half of Jerusalem is going to be taken, and this is going to be eastern Jerusalem. We don't need to guess that. We know that's going to happen. Work has begun on the expansion of the Nof Tzion settlement in east Jerusalem neighborhood of Jabal Mukabur, which upon completion will make it the largest Jewish settlement within a Palestinian neighborhood in the city. Notzion was established by Jewish investors in the early 2000s, and the residents moved in eight years ago, with currently 96 families living in two compounds. The neighborhood is considered relatively well off, and the apartments face the old city. However, it is surrounded on all sides by the large Palestinian neighborhood of Jabul Mukabar. The area slated for expansion was the subject of a lengthy legal dispute. About 10 years ago, a Palestinian businessman, Bashar al-Masri, tried unsuccessfully to purchase the land to prevent the Jewish neighborhood's build-out. The land was eventually purchased by Jerusalem supermarket mogul Rami Levy in partnership with an Australian businessman, some guy named Kevin Bergmeister, one or Burnmeister, I guess, one of the uh, founders of Skype, 
About two years ago, permits were issued for the construction of 176 apartments. According to settlement activist and Jerusalem Council, Aria King, the current expansion is only the first phase with another 300 housing units expected to be approved, and every one of them is going to upset the Palestinians. From Jerusalem Post, Naftali Bennett, I like this decision. Israel will no longer release the bodies of terrorists. Finally, I've been saying they should do this for years. Bennett instructed the IDF and the defense establishment on this past Tuesday to completely stop the release of terrorist bodies. The decision came following a number of discussions that he held on the issues of deterrence with senior security officials. Exceptions, according to a statement by the deaf minister, will only be made in extenuating circumstances and at the discretion under the defense minister. The new policy will be introduced shortly into the security cabinet as a part of a broader deterrence policy and will come into elect or effect after the cabinet's approval. According to a political source, the policy change followed a request made to Prime Minister Netanyahu by the family of Lieutenant Hadar Golden, whose body has been held in the Gaza Strip by Hamas since 2014. While Israel continues to work for long-term ceasefire arrangement with Hamas through mediators like Egypt, the remains of two IDF soldiers killed in the 2014 war, Goldin and Sergeant Oran Shaul, remain in the hands of Hamas in the Strip, despite years of their families begging both sides to return their sons for burial. Two living civilians, Avera Mengistu and Hisham al-Sayed, are also being held in the Gaza Strip. Israel has repeatedly demanded the return of the bodies and the civilians in exchange for a full quiet in Gaza. But Hamas has repeatedly refused the demands, attempting to use all four as bargaining chips in negotiations for prisoner releases and to take advantage of the situation to make continued psychological warfare against Israel. In the past, they've got a body or they've captured somebody, then they've demanded like 500 Palestinians for one Jew, and the Jews have always caved in on it. And now they're taking the same policy on the Israeli side, and I think it's the right thing to do. Little uh, noise from Gaza yesterday. They sent in three rockets to Israel. Uh, Israel got two of them. One of them I think they just let go because it wasn't a threat. But, of course, Israel responded. And then what did Hamas do? They said that Israel is elevating things. And they're, you know, it doesn't matter what Israel does. They will always be blamed for these things. But it's a dangerous escalation on Israel's part after they had just been bombed and responded. It makes no sense, but it happens every time. Let's see here from the Times of Israel. Anti-Semitic incidents up 30% in Australia, report says. Well, that doesn't surprise me when you, in, you bring in a bunch of Muslims over the past years, and now they're into the society and they're causing these troubles. There has been a 30% increase over the last year in serious anti-Semitic incidents in Australia involving verbal abuse, harassment, and intimidation, according to the annual report on anti-Semitism in Australia. There were 368 recorded anti-Semitic incidents in Australia during the year ending on September 13th, according to the annual report. So there you go with that. From the Times of Israel, in rebuke to Trump and Netanyahu, probably most of you heard this, but if you don't keep up on the uh, political side of things, the U.S. House passes a resolution supporting two states, okay? It was telling Trump that they did not like him saying, uh, you can acknowledge, uh, you know, the West Bank and Judea and Samaria as something that uh, Israel has a right to. And so the House passed that. I think there were two Democrats that said no, and 
six Republicans had said yes, I think. Um, I Not two Democrats, there were four of them. The Washington Examiner legitimizes inequality. Tlaib and the squad, the four miscreants up in the uh, left, they split from the Democrats on the two-state solution. In other words, they wouldn't go for it, but it was for bogus reasons. They're saying that it legitimizes inequality by having two states. They're just, uh, all they are is just troublemakers. That's all they are is complainers, whiners, and troublemakers. And do you know that three of the four of them are under investigation for ethics violations? I mean, I hope all of them are gone shortly. Just get rid of them. But anyway, Christian News. Um, I got a letter from my friend Bill. He lives over on the East Coast, and some of you may remember him. He's been in the church. I won't give any more information than this because I don't have permission to give his last name or anything. But he sent me a letter for Christmas. And I got to tell you what, that letter brought me to tears yesterday. He's uh, been watching the Prophecy Updates for a long, long time. And, uh, you know, I'm always harping on people to start watching the sermons. And when they were here together, he and his wife, they would be in the sermons and they'd be in the middle of something we're talking about. Like we're going to be in Leviticus, uh, I'm sorry, Numbers 35 for three weeks. And it's going to take all that time to make sense. Okay, the first sermon today is going to help you get ready for next week and then the final uh, presentation, which is astonishing in the third week. But they'll be sitting here and he admitted in his letter that it's just too complicated. What Charlie says, I just don't get it. And finally, he this past year said, you know what? The Lord has just impressed on my heart that I'm going to start with Genesis 1-1. I'm going to start watching. And he, he has been amazingly blessed, he said. And so I'm misquoting him. But uh, he, he's uh, up to Genesis 19, and he says, I've never seen God's word unfold the way that it has. If you take God's word logically from the beginning, Genesis 1, and you just work through it, you'll see why he put an Exodus after a Genesis, and why he put numbers after Leviticus, and why Leviticus comes after Exodus. Everything makes sense. And why this chapter, even though it belongs over here chronologically, is actually in the right place. And we've seen that. All of you see this week after week how God's word is so absolutely perfect. So I want to encourage you that if you're just watching Prophecy Updates, you're not benefiting yourself at all. Not at all. It's transitory information. You're getting your ears tickled about what's coming and, you know, the world declining into, uh, uh, you know, like a swirl in a toilet bowl. And that's all that you're getting week after week. But you're not being built up in Christ and I got to tell you, from Genesis 1 all the way through to Revelation 22, it is about Jesus Christ. And you will find him when you seek him. And we're doing that in this church. And I would hope that you would start following that as well. And we also have Thursday night Bible studies, which are, you know, they are all New Testament, but the Old Testament ties right into the New. And you can't really understand either properly without doing both. So I would suggest that you do that. But I want to thank Bill for that letter yesterday. They're good that, people, too. They're very good people. They're really marvelous people. Uh, from, as I said, Christian News, NPR. Pope Francis and visit to Hiroshima. This was all a week and a half ago now. Says possession of nuclear weapons is immoral. I'll tell you what's immoral. Is to not possess nuclear weapons when you can. The, uh, uh, what is it called, uh, SAC, Strategic Air Command. I don't even know if they're open anymore, if they've changed their name or whatever, because that was when I was in in the 80s. But their um, motto was strength through deterrence. In other words, if you don't, as the United States of America, have these weapons, guess what? The bad guys are, and they're going to attack and harm people. That's all there is to it. We have showed immense restraint with our nuclear weapons over the years. We saved millions of lives by bombing Japan. 
they would not surrender. They were given every chance to do so. Every time we landed in an island, we lost thousands and thousands of Americans, and they lost tens and hundreds of thousands of Japanese. This ended the war by saving millions of lives, and all we get is condemned for it. Everybody is hindsight is 2020. I'm not saying that they're good to have, but this is the reality of the world we live in, and this man is once again opening his mouth over issues that he is totally unqualified to speak about. We'll go on. On the first full day of his tour of Japan, Pope Francis visited Hiroshima and Nagasaki and delivered a clear message. Possessing or deploying atomic weapons is immoral. He is immoral. Peace and international stability are incompatible with attempts to build upon the fear of mutual destruction or the threat of total annihilation. He spoke at the site where the U.S. exploded an atomic bomb in 1945, killing 74,000 people by the end of that year. The nuclear arms race wastes resources that could instead improve people's lives. I don't disagree with that at all. But reality is reality, and we live in a world of reality, all right? Protect the environment, the pontiff said. In a world where millions of children and families live in inhumane conditions, the money that is squandered and the fortunes made through the manufacture, upgrading, maintenance, and sale of ever more destructive weapons are in the front crying out to heaven. Well, this won't be the case when Jesus Christ returns. But until he does, this is the reality that we live in. Pope Francis then traveled to Hiroshima, where the U.S. dropped the world's first atomic bomb, August 6, 1945, killing 140 thousand people. Well, I can tell you that yesterday was the uh, Pearl Harbor Memorial Day, December 7th, 1941. Okay. We did not start that war, although there are uh, some people that think that, uh, what's his name, Roosevelt had an idea it was coming and could have uh, uh, done something about it. But regardless of that, we were attacked. We entered the war. We gained victory in Europe and we gained victory over the Japanese. And as I posted on Facebook yesterday, a picture of uh, Pearl Harbor being attacked, and I said, you know, it's good to remember that we can make friends after we have these bad times. And I said, I got a great wife to boot out of it. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Um, you know, this is the world we live in. We can make up after things like that happen, but the reality is the reality of the situation that we have to live with. So this man is entirely wrong in Everything he says. I don't know anything he's ever said other than let's not abort babies that I agree with. From the Catholic Herald, in a meeting with Thailand's Supreme Buddhist Patriarch, Pope Francis encourages peace. Catholics and Buddhists should work together to advance the cause of mercy in the world, Pope Francis said Thursday, a week and a half ago, during a historic meeting with the Supreme Buddhist Patriarch of Thailand. He says, thanks to scholarly exchanges, which lead to greater mutual understanding, as well as the exercise of contemplation, mercy, and discernment, common to both our traditions. So what he's doing is he's elevating Buddhism up with Christianity, which lead to greater mutual understanding. Okay, we can grow and live together as good neighbors. The Pope noted that Catholics and Buddhists can contribute to the formation of a cultural compassion, fraternity, and encounter, both here and in other parts of the world. I am sure that this journey will continue to bear fruit in abundance. Pope Francis' visit to Thailand is intended to encourage the small Catholic community living in the Buddhist-majority country. The Pope has also has several interreligious meetings while in the country. On this path of mutual trust and fraternity, I wish to reiterate my personal commitment and that of the whole church to furthering an open and respectful dialogue in the service of the peace and well-being of this people, the Pope said. 
He never said anything about you need Jesus to be saved. He never says anything about you need Jesus in order to escape the fires of hell. He's not doing anybody any favor at all by this. Yesterday in the projects, we did some mission work, and we have a Muslim down there that we meet with every week, and we uh, talk to him. And yesterday, you know, he we usually let him talk, and we'll say some nice things, and uh, et cetera. But yesterday, uh, uh, he somehow the issue of circumcision came up, and I started to say, do you want to know why circumcision came up? And he started coming up with all kinds of crazy reasoning for it. And I said, well, if you'll allow me to explain it, I will. And he started to allow me, and then he started interrupting, and I said, okay, when you're ready to hear why we circumcise children and what that pictured, then I will get to it. But I'm not going to stand here and have you, you know, override me trying to say something continuously. He's, you know, very eager to talk. He's the type of person that you have to kind of back away from, and he keeps talking out the door. But this is what we're supposed to do, is we are supposed to tell people about Jesus, we're supposed to tell people that there is a path to salvation and not to say that this tradition and this tradition are on equal standing. So, Mail Online. China will censor all classical religious texts to ensure their messages reflect socialist values. Every week this gets worse. Now remember, the religious text includes the Bible, okay? Beijing said all translated classical religious books should be re-evaluated. The new editions must not contain any content that could go against socialism. Paragraphs deemed wrong by censors will be amended or retranslated. So we've gone from not allowing any foreign Bibles into China in one week to going to we don't allow any Bible or any religious text that is against the communist ideology, which means that this book is going to be completely rewritten. Those people that haven't memorized their Bible are in trouble. And those people that are not reading their Bible and watching sermons to understand their Bible are going to be in trouble. And you know what? We say, that'll never happen here. <laughs> One election is all it's going to take for this country to be done. And if you're sitting here watching Prophecy Updates and not learning your Bible at the same time, you're wasting your life because this is what you're going to be facing. Okay, let's see here uh, from a missionary in China. Speaking of China... Uh, this is a person that attends the Superior Word online. He said, if people think they want socialism, they should live with it for a while, okay? I had my daughter send me money so I would have money to give to the project in a timely manner, but it took nearly a month and four trips to the bank to get the actual cash into my hands. So now I have the cash here ready to go when donations are made. The crackdown on churches is real. I am a Toastmaster, and to get to their highest level, you have to do a project. I choose to create a Sunday school at a local church in addition to doing free English courses. But I stopped the English corners when surveillance increased and the religious bureau told the church no one under 18 could even come to the church, something that was in the rules but not enforced. The Sunday school is now looking out for an out-of-the-way place to meet. The government wants to stop the Western influence on Christianity. So when they set up a surveillance camera that was aimed at exactly where I usually sat in the back of the church, I decided that it was time to become an online member of the Superior Word Church. Since Shenyang is almost exactly halfway around the world from your church, you are now officially sharing the gospel to the ends of the earth and around the world. All is well at 73. I don't jog and the memory is decreasing, but the love of the Lord is ever increasing. He has so blessed me with my Christian family. 
And he went on because this came in during Thanksgiving. Whole turkeys are very rare here. Sometimes you can find turkey parts, but not enough to make a whole roastable turkey. It's been 10 years since I had a real Thanksgiving dinner. But a dear brother gave me a real whole frozen turkey. So that's what he's having this year, I guess. One year, my Thanksgiving dinner was a fertilized turkey egg, the youngest Thanksgiving turkey in history. Life with God is so wonderful, he says. So there you go. Let's pray for that guy. Heavenly Father, we pray for this gentleman who we cannot name, and we certainly pray for those people that he is there ministering to, that they will be able to hold fast to the word of God, even with the many things that are changing and very quickly changing around their lives. Give them strength and give them the ability to uh, just prevail through the power of Christ. And Lord, we certainly pray for all of our missionaries that we help at this church and the churches that we also support uh, that have their own individual missionaries. Lord, we thank you for the chance to, uh, to share the gospel with the world. And we thank you that we're a very, very small part of it, maybe even insignificant, but we are doing our best to glorify you through getting this word out. And we thank you for that opportunity and we praise you for it. We do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, from Islam today, Zero Hedge. Iran to have nuclear bomb in a few months? The Iranian government is shortening its nuclear breakout time, the amount of time required to produce enough weapons-grade uranium for a single nuclear weapon. Tehran has accomplished this through several steps in the last few months. Iran's government first increased its enriched uranium stockpile beyond the 300-kilogram limit. It enriched uranium to levels beyond the cap of 3.6%, and then activated 20 IR-4 and 20 IR-6 advanced centrifuges. The Iranian leaders even boasted that their government is now exploring new uranium enrichment programs and producing centrifuges. Most recently, the head of the Atomic Energy Organization of Iran, Ali Akbar Salehi, declared that Iran has an adequate supply of 20% enriched uranium. Right now, we have enough 20% uranium, but we can produce more as needed. He added that the country is resuming uranium enrichment at a far higher level at the Fordo nuclear facility, an underground uranium enrichment facility, which is reportedly located on one of bases of the IRGC, which is their Revolutionary Guard, which is an important to remember in a second, injecting uranium gas into centrifuges and operating 60 IR-6 advanced centrifuges. This marks a dangerous phase in Iran's nuclear defiance. Tehran is now using a kind of a prototype centrifuge that enriches uranium almost 50 times faster. Iran's nuclear breakout time in 2015 was estimated at less than one year. Tehran has advanced its nuclear program since then. In an interview with Iran's state-owned Channel 2, Salehi admitted that the nuclear deal initiated by then-President Obama not only failed to restrict Iran's nuclear program, it actually helped Iran to advance its nuclear program through the flow of funds thanks to the lifting of sanctions. If we have to go back and withdraw from the nuclear deal, he stated, we certainly do not go back to where we were before. We will be standing in a much, much higher position. Although Iran is a party to the non-proliferation treaty, it refuses to allow IAEA to inspect its sites. The IAEA is also not allowed to inspect or monitor Iran's military sites. Remember, it just said the IRGC, where nuclear activities are most likely being carried out. 
That was a part of the agreement. We're not going to inspect any of your military sites. So where do you think they're going to start doing the enrichment? Hello? Among the many concessions that the Obama admin granted to the Iranian government was one accepting the Iranian leader's demand that military sites would be out of the IAEA's reach. Because of this surrender at various high-profile sites such as the Parchin military complex located southeast of Tehran, the regime has been free to engage in nuclear activities without the risk of inspection. The Iranian leaders keep claiming that their nuclear activities are solely for peaceful purposes. This claim is bogus. If the Islamic Republic is advancing its nuclear program for peaceful purposes, why has Tehran repeatedly failed to report its nuclear facilities, including those at Natanz and Iraq, to the IAEA? Also, why does the Iranian government keep refusing to answer the IAEA's questions regarding a secret nuclear facility reportedly located in the suburbs of Tehran? To nonpartisan organizations based in Washington, the Institute for Science and International Security, and the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies last year, released a detailed report on Iran's clandestine nuclear activities at this site. And yet, Europe is still making deals with them. They're still trying to get them funding and on and on and on. The people in Europe are not thinking clearly. It is insane. From the Times of Israel, six European countries join Iran sanctions busting mechanism. Here it is. Paris, London, and Berlin welcome six new European countries to the INSTEX barter mechanism which is designed, here it is, to circumvent U.S. sanctions against trade with Iran by avoiding the use of the dollar. As founding shareholders of the Instrument in Support of Trade Exchanges, which is INSTEX, France, Germany, and the United Kingdom warmly welcomed the decision taken by the governments of Belgium, Denmark, Finland, the Netherlands, Norway, and Sweden to join INSTEX as shareholders, the three said in a joint statement. The Paris-based INSTEX functions as a clearinghouse allowing Iran to continue to sell oil and import other products or services in exchange. Israel responded to the move saying the six European countries could not have picked worse timing. What are people thinking in this world? <laughs> Mongolia today, NBC. Dude, speaking of Iran, ha. Huh. Huh. Now that's not judo, that's karate. I, uh, Here we go. Judo world champion granted Mongolian citizenship after fleeing Iran. This is the guy, remember he wouldn't, uh, they, they, they say you can't fight with any Israelis. We're not going to lose it. And this guy wants to play judo or whatever, play or whatever it is called. What? Compete. He wants to compete judo. A judo world champion from Iran who went into hiding after disobeying orders to withdraw from August's world championships to avoid a potential Israeli opponent has been granted Mongolian citizenship. His name is Saeed Molay. I hope I pronounced that right. A 2018 world champion can compete in Olympic qualifying events under his new flag. Molay walked off the Iranian team in August saying he had been ordered by the government to lose matches and withdraw from competitions so as to not face Israelis. He competed anyway, but lost one round before a potential final with an Israeli, then fled to Germany. In October, Iran was banned indefinitely from international judo competitions for refusing to let its athletes fight Israeli opponents. Molay remained eligible to compete as part of a refugee team before the switch to Mongolia. So the refugee team says, you can play with us, and he says, I want to go to Mongolia. So there you go. Daniel 12 Technology. 
from Engadget. How do you make cows give more milk? Yeah, hey, I didn't know you knew about that. It's very interesting. Cows wearing VR headsets might produce better milk. It's not just humans who can benefit from virtual reality. Moscow area farmers strapped modified VR headsets to cows to see if it improved their mood, their mood, <laughs> and of course their milk production. The project subjected cattle to a simulated summer field with colors tuned for the animal's eyes, giving them a decidedly more pleasing landscape than a plain, confining farm. And yes, the head sights were adapted to the structural features of cows' heads so that they could see properly. It appears to have worked, at least on a basic level. The first test reduced the cow's anxiety and boosted their overall sentiment. While it's not certain how well this affects the quality or volume of milk, there are plans for a more comprehensive study to answer that question. The research begs a few questions. First, why not just put the cows in fields more often? How do you deal with battery life? And is there a risk of disturbing cows when you take their headsets off and show them dreary reality? In a sense, it's a solution to a problem humans have created. Those issues aside, this could be an option for farms where summary fields just aren't available or where existing techniques like piping in pleasing music might not be effective. So here we go, cows in the virtual reality world. It's pretty amazing that somebody would even think of that though. From Mail Online, home urine test. I thought of the doctor when I uh, saw this one because we have a urologist, a retired urologist in the church here. And uh, you know, this is one of the things that we're moving up in the world on. Home urine test could revolutionize prostate cancer diagnoses for thousands of men and spell the end of those exams, if you know what I'm talking about. The poor test, pioneered by British scientists, detects chemicals in urine. Carrying it out at home with the first urination of the day is more accurate. It would also mean tests like those exams could be avoided, and those on the watch and wait list won't require so many follow-ups. PUR can predict whether patients will require treatment up to five years sooner. So that's very interesting. Um, Great stuff. I mean, went digital long before the rest of us. Yes, yes. You know, there's a certain song that comes to mind about urologists and the exam people. I, I, if you've never heard it, you can email me and I'll send you the link to it. It's very funny, but it's very crude, okay? Yeah, I don't think it says any bad words, but it really will make you laugh. Anyway, we'll just leave it at that and we'll go on with Revelation Plagues. From BBC, DR Congo measles, nearly 5,000 dead in a major outbreak. From NBC, Samoa measles epidemic worsens with 24 children now dead. I've seen dozens of countries listed in the past two months with measles getting out of hand. Mail Online, farmer becomes the fourth. I wasn't going to report it on the first or the second, but this week it's the fourth person in China to be diagnosed with plague this month as officials confirm they have the Black Death. Now, once you have four, there, you know, there are going to be eight. And, you know, it's just one of those things where... The first one could be an anomaly. The second one could be, you know, double anomaly, whatever. I don't know. But when you got four, there's a problem. The specifics of how the person contracted the plague have not been revealed. Three other people 250 miles away have been diagnosed this month. Two have the bubonic plague, while two have the more lethal pneumonic strain. So there you go with that. We'll see if that gets out of hand over in China. 
Mail Online, spike in calls to poison control for psychedelic plants and herbs. Marijuana poisonings increased 150% since 2000 as life-threatening cropped home exposures rose by 5,000% in six years. Well, what do you think is going to happen when you start legalizing this stuff? Many people wrongly believe psychoactive drugs like marijuana and kratom are safe because they are natural. Hallucinations from the drugs can land people in the hospital and, in some cases, prove deadly. Poison control centers in the United States saw a 150% surge in marijuana-related calls between 2000 and 2017. Kratom was responsible for 8 out of 42 psychedelic-related deaths, according to the Central Ohio Poison Control Center. Calls for exposures to the opioid-like drug surged by 5,000% since 2011. There you go. Morality today. I've done what I do in the past when we have two or three months gone by, and I hate to just delete all of the articles I've saved, and so I'm going to give you just titles today, and I may do this again next week. This is over the past two and one-half months, okay? These are some things you may remember from a month ago. Well, why is he talking about that? I'm just giving you what I did not put into our updates for the past few months. From LifeSite, 30 euthanasia victims in Canada have had their organs harvested since 2016. They said that would never happen. There it is. Christian Headlines, poll, 60% of Americans support legal abortions, matching a 24-year high, 60% of Americans. David Harris, Jr., study shows 5,877 biologists surveyed, 96% affirm life begins at conception, 96% of biologists. The other four are dishonest biologists. From Campus Reform, Colorado State University claims that American, the word American, is non-inclusive word which should be avoided. The next week, Mail Online, Colorado State University determined saying America is not offensive, but calling someone straight or male is. So it's offensive to say that you are straight or that you are male. Okay. LifeSite, UK politician who lobbied for gender-neutral toilets charged with child sex abuse. Christian News, nearly 25% of babies aborted in England, Wales, in 2018. 25% of all human life in those two countries aborted in one year. Zero Hedge, study, nearly four-fifths of gender minority students have mental health issues. What do you expect? What do you think? Mail Online, America's first gay bank. Credit Union for LGBTQ Community gets green light and will offer special loans to transgender people who are transitioning. I know if you were to do that and say no LGBT bank, you'd be sued out of existence. But there you go. Christian News, BBC video tells children there are more than 100 gender identities. That's BBC telling children more than 100 gender identities. From Zero Hedge, San Diego State University normalizes pedophilia as a sexual orientation. What? Yes. Male online, children as young as six are to be given compulsory self-touching lessons that critics say are sexualizing youngsters. Male online, women spend 71 days a year glued to their phones. Nearly two weeks more than men, study reveals. Women, get off those phones. (laughs) CNN, a Catholic hospital in Canada, has been ordered to provide assisted suicide services. If you're a Catholic hospital in Canada, you must provide assisted suicide services. Mail online, Barbie gets woke. 
Mattel launches range of gender-neutral dolls with male wardrobe of skirts and trousers and switchable hairstyles to meet demand from children. Zero Hedge, judge rules Harvard can keep discriminating against Asians using race-conscious admissions. Those Asians are just too dang smart. I know, I live with one of them. Let's see here, KGW8 urinals. You know what, my old boss got so tired of this type of stuff this morning, he posted about, you can't say anything without being politically incorrect anymore. And he was talking about food issues. And I said, well, I married my rice cooker. And he came back and he said, very bad preacher. <laughs> That's my old, uh, uh, what do you call it, chief in the uh, military. He was captain at the time, retired as a lieutenant colonel, but a great, great guy. Anyway, yes, I married my rice cooker. Um, what, where was I? KGW8. Urinals. Here it is. Listen to this. Urinals are banned from newly remodeled Portland building. You can no longer have urinals in the government building in Portland because you might discriminate against somebody. Imagine that. Yep. PJ Media. Teen experiences serious complications after school inserts birth control implant without parental consent. Now, imagine that. They put a birth control device into that child without anybody's consent, but if you give that child one aspirin, you can be sued and you can be, you know, whatever. One aspirin. You give them any drug at all, but you can put a birth control into their arm and nobody can say anything about it. Zero Hedge, Seattle Schools, math is racist. Oh, oh yeah. On. Yes, it is. One plus one is racist. Mail online. Meth comes to Sesame Street. Legendary children's TV show introduces a bright green puppet called Carly who lives in foster care while her mother battles an opioid addiction. K-R-O-N. California becomes first state to require universities to offer abortion medication. Mail online. California becomes the first state to ban the sale of new fur products as Governor Gavin Newsom signs bill, also barring most circus animals. Next is coming, no more pets in your house. Okay, oh, just imagine. I mean, that's your own circus animal, isn't it? Right, WZZM. This is this week. This wasn't two months ago. This is this week. Crowds line up for first day of legal marijuana sales in Michigan. Lines of people, lines of people to get their pot for free or whatever, for, you know, legal or whatever. Our other category, Zero Hedge. Crackdown on homeschooling comes across Great Britain. Regional governments across Great Britain are launching an assault against homeschooling. Despite the fact that public education is lacking, the government thinks it is the parents who should have to prove themselves if they want to homeschool their own children. In Wales and the Isle of Man, authorities are attempting to pass measures that will allow them to interview each homeschooled child. The children will have to pass subjective tests, which means that they taught you about LGBT? Oh, no, you know, whatever they want to ask, they can fail those parents like that with government officials deciding the criteria. Parents will be fined or jailed for failing to comply with government orders if their child fails the subjective evaluations. A subjective evaluation can be anything to anybody. Scotland recently tried to introduce rules assigning a state guardian to each homeschooled child who would be allowed to intervene in home life, including what kids watch on TV, what they eat, and how they decorate their bedrooms. Luckily, that measure was defeated, but it shows how desperate governments are to get into your home and dictate family life. Zero Hedge. California wants to punish a company that orders Ubers for the blind and elderly. Yes, listen to this. Go, go, grandparent. 
is a service that allows people who don't have or can't use smartphones to order ride services by calling a toll-free number. They are an office. This is what they are. They're an office. I need an Uber, but I don't know how to call, so I call these people on a landline, and I say, I need an Uber. All this company does is they call Uber and get a, a pickup yeah, pick to them. Okay, so now you understand the premise. This is really inconvenient for visually impaired people and the elderly, but the People's Republic of California thinks the GoGo grandparent is a transportation company. So authorities fined GoGo $10,000 for not having a license. California also said the company needs $1 million of insurance for their cars, which don't exist because they call Uber. And to hand over a list of their drivers to the state, again, they don't have drivers, they call Uber. A judge sided with GoGo to dismiss the fine, but that decision still has to be ratified by regulators who are dragging their feet on a vote. You're just, all you're doing is helping people and you're getting maybe a dollar on each phone call. And now they have to pay fines. They've got to have licenses and insane. KTLA, California DMV makes over $50 million a year selling drivers' personal data. Vice investigation finds, yes. The DMV is selling their data and they're making $50 million because they're squandering everything else on stupid things. CNN, Trump administration is to cut its financial contribution to NATO. I don't know if you heard about this, but good job, Trump. The Trump admin has moved substantially to cut its contribution to NATO's collective budget, according to several U.S. and NATO officials. A symbolic move that comes as many continue to question President Trump's commitment to the transatlantic alliance as he prepares to attend, this is before he went to NATO, a summit to mark its 70th anniversary in London, which happened this past week. Previously, the U.S. provided some 22% of NATO's direct funding, which covers the cost of maintaining the NATO headquarters, joint security investments, and some combined military operations. It's a largely symbolic move as NATO's direct budget is relatively small, about $2.5 billion, and is separate from national defense budgets that NATO recommends should stand at 2% of GDP. U.S. defense officials tell CNN that the Trump admin sought to reduce its contribution to about 16%. That's down, what, uh, 6% then, bringing it in line with Germany's, which provides 14.8% despite the U.S. having a larger economy. Trump has long slammed NATO allies, especially Germany, for not meeting the 2% NATO defense spending target, which only eight of the 29 members currently meet. He's been saying this for years to them since he got into office. You need to pay what you agreed to in this agreement, and they've never done it. All members pledged to reach the 2% level by 2024, but not all of them currently have plans to do so. Member countries have boosted defense spending considerably in recent years, something Trump has claimed credit for. One U.S. defense official said that the money saved by the U.S. will help fund other U.S. military and security efforts in Europe, including programs in countries such as non-NATO members Ukraine and Georgia, which are seen as being on the front line with Russia. Member countries contribute to these NATO budgets in accordance with an agreed cost-sharing formula based on gross national income, and none of them meet it except us, and we're not even there. We've been helping them since the war. But, you know, this is the way that we've been. But we've allowed these people to run over us, and this president isn't going to do it anymore. From Breitbart, alarmists propose rebranding climate change for greater shock value. It's no longer working, so climate change alarmists are pushing for a change in vocabulary to scare people into taking global warming more seriously, starting with terms like global meltdown and climate collapse. So, you know, whatever. They're just making names up and... 
one thing after another. At first, it was global cooling in the 70s. We had acid rain. We had global warming. We've had climate ozone. change, ozone depletion. We've had it all. We've gone through it all. Climate hysteria. Climate hysteria. Okay, I got a lesser cure for you today. There are some cows that need solitude so that they can all get in the mood. How contented they are when they check out VR, it will help them make white liquid food. Good stuff. Okay, I'd like to tell you before uh, we do our irony that Les has written a few books over the years. He's an author, and uh, just to give him a plug, if you want something for Christmas, a couple years ago he wrote 40 Days of Passion toward greater intimacy with your Lord. And then he has a workbook which goes with it, which you can order both on Amazon.com. And uh, you can also email me, and I'll give you his email address if you want to email him directly, because he might be able to get you discounts and things. But if this interests you, and he also wrote another book some years ago called Confessions of a Job Gypsy. And so if you are the type that has been looking for a job all your life, or if you've gone from job to job to job, you might find that uh, something fun to read. Anyway, there you go. Plug for uh, less. And we have two ironies for the week. This is called Shutting Things Down. Mail online. Woman who was constantly late for work because her alarm didn't wake her discovers her pet feline has been turning it off. She got it on video. And yes, goes in and turns it off. And that's why we don't have cats in our house. We will never have another cat in our house either. But there you go. That's shutting things down. And then from Weasel Zippers. I know people love cats. I don't hate cats. I just am not a cat person. So I enjoy the fact that you like your cats. Please enjoy your cats. My daughter's here visiting from New York, and she's a big cat person and a dog person and an elephant person. And uh, uh, yeah, she's done everything with every animal on this planet. She worked at, uh, in uh, Hugo, uh, where is that? Uh, Arkansas, Hugo. Oklahoma, thank you, for years working on an elephant farm. What they would do is they would plant little baby elephants and they'd grow big oh, elephants. No, they, they had a farm out there for elephants. And uh, they also had big cats out there. And, you know, big cats have got to eat. Elephants. No, you know, well, they'll eat elephants if they can, but it's kind of chewy meat. Um, they, what did they feed big cats? They feed them horses. No, they don't. Yes, they do. Yeah. And where do you get your horses? I'm going to tell you where you get them. You send one tangerine Garrett with a shotgun to get the next horse. She is a brave woman. Yes, she was the, she was the get the next horse to feed the big cats. Go ask her. You go ask her because I'm not getting involved in that. But that is, that is a tough daughter there. That is somebody I'm very proud of because, hey, listen, somebody gets angry about that. Everything eats everything. Everything eats everything. There is nothing that doesn't eat something else, okay? So this the thing about veganism and all that, I'm sorry. You know what? I tried that. Yeah, I tried five years not eating meat, and that was the biggest mistake of my life. I went to Israel. They served lamb, which my, I grew up with at my grandmother's house, and when I smelled that, all I eat is meat since then. So there you go. And chocolate, a lot of chocolate. But here we go. Shutting things down, our second one, from Weasel Zippers, Angela Merkel. We will shut down hate speech. Otherwise, we will not have a free society. Yes, she said that. Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is the superior word, and that is your prophecy update for the week.